Sophie, also like kind of like making history as like the second woman director to win can. It's like about time for her to be sort of, I mean, celebrated in this way at this time is really special. And to be the first female to win Best Director in 56 years, come on. That's incredible, right? Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't. I hadn't. I was surprised to hear that, and um, I'm very proud. <laughs> but it was beautiful the way in which she's so delicate, and yet everything gets done. Yes. It's such a great um, message for people because she sits there and she commands a set, and you, she never raises a voice. She's so quiet, yet she's unbelievably powerful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of a podcast directed by, and uh, I am your host, Dave, and joined by Mike. So say hello, Mike. Hello. <laughs> Good. I like it. That's all I need from you. Uh, so this is our introductory episode to our first series of episodes. So our first director is going to be Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola. Where do I even start with her? Um, I guess I'll start with my favorite movie, which of course is The Virgin Suicides, to nobody's surprise. Who knows who knows me? Um the thing about Sophia's films that really, really resonate with me the most is how feminine and soft they feel despite the content of the actual film being a little bit more somber and a little bit more dark, especially in The Virgin Suicides. I mean, it's not exactly spoiler alert, an uplifting film by any means, but it feels like a dream like romantic and soft and just whimsical and it's beautiful it's beautiful by every definition of the word so I think she does that really well and that's actually what I think she contributes to film in general I think films need to be softer like that or you know most of them do because I think that it's just like this lingering it's like seductive it's so strange I don't even know how to explain it but she does the same thing in The Beguiled, which I didn't love, but I would be lying if I said I don't often want to watch it again just because it immerses me in this like fairy tale. Marie Antoinette, exactly the same case. These stories are not uplifting. We know how Marie Antoinette ends, not a happy ending, but the film still feels like bright and gorgeous and just, it's, it's really quite amazing how she does that. I do think that if you haven't checked out her films for whatever reason, maybe it's her filmography is not extensive enough. Maybe the softness isn't for you. Um, but coming from a horror fan, give it a shot because I think it does work. Repression, sexuality, identity, power. Director Sofia Coppola's filmography is one defined by women and the spaces they occupy. Their relationship to their surroundings, their dynamics with one another. Coppola's tender pastels evoke an almost dreamlike, ethereal quality, as if we were glimpsing perspectives just outside our reach, intangible enough to make a lasting impact. Her characters tend to be surrounded by signatures of wealth, but there's a destitute attitude about it all. The confinement shared between virgin suicides through to the beguiled are all-encompassing, even when their barriers appear different. Consistently aware of her privilege, one drawn from Hollywood royalty, never restrains Coppola's sensibilities as a filmmaker. It's in her empathetic approach to women and the worlds they inhabit that allowed her to break through at the turn of a century and one that continues drawing audiences to her films and her artistic perspective. 
This has been Diego Crespo from the Waffle Press Podcast. Uh, and a little background on this. Like, I want to be very, very honest about this. One of the big reasons, like we mentioned this on our introductory episode, but, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult finding um, women and people of color who are directors who have had long careers. So one of the reasons we're doing this is to actually talk about a female director. Uh, because Sofia Coppola is one of the, honestly, like one of the few who has continually gotten opportunities to direct features. There's a lot of really great female directors that, you know, they'll make one or two movies and then for whatever reason, don't get another shot for like eight or nine years, you know, but Sofia Coppola, whether it's because her movies are great or whether there's a certain amount of Hollywood nepotism that happens where she gets a few more opportunities. The name helps. Yeah. Coppola helps. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it's Nicholas Cage didn't think so, but it's fine. Yeah. I think it's interesting because one of the first things I thought about when we were doing Sofia Coppola for this first set of episodes and something I hadn't thought about in years is that like before before that first film um and maybe even after that first film she was a, it was she was a little bit of a punchline in Hollywood right she was you know she was Coppola's kid and you know she was in The Godfather Part 3 which is like one of those poorly looked upon uh, sequels of a great film that we've ever seen and she was seen as this terrible actress right so i don't think people expected much out of her but then she's kind of turned this around to become this pretty fantastic director so it's interesting to kind of think about this you know now in 2019 where you know she's made all these features where you're like oh yeah she's a very good to great director but back then that certainly wasn't the case she's pretty good well okay let me let me be uh forthcoming here like we we were having this discussion about how to how to establish the show and we did want to avoid hitchcock uh kubrick uh frank capra we're you know we're avoiding the names where it's like okay that's that's obvious uh you know podcast series on directors oh yeah surprise me I don't think Sofia Coppola is necessarily surprising. I say that as a compliment, right? Like mm-hmm. this is an established artistic voice that we have here. Uh, I do want to give a little peek behind the curtains that I suggested Nancy Myers and was immediately <laughs> shot down for my favorite, you know, female uh, filmmaker. And uh, I, think I, think my, they, I think my response to that was like, this is not the best film kitchen scenes in history. It's best directors. <laughs> I think was my... well, clearly we're going to see that because, you know, I've already started in on uh, you know, rewatching Miss Coppola's work and the Virgin Suicide's kitchens. Not that <laughs> Not up to par, huh? That's... No. <laughs> I do promise you, dear listeners, that we will get to the populist fair that I tend to favor with Nancy Myers. I, I'm not trolling. I actually did want to go back and revisit her work, but we're on Sofia Coppola. Uh, I, this was a strong push from me to you because I, I, you know, I want to limit our scope. I want to go with a modern filmmaker, a working filmmaker, mm-hmm. so that it's strangely less divisive as far as like, no, that we've had 40 years to say that's their best. Like it's established. How could you go against that? Like, I, I don't honestly think that she has necessarily considered best. I would say like without doing a full rewatch yet or really doing much in the way of research, I guess you would say lost in translation. Yeah, that's probably the most accepted um, of her films, but like, you know, I know people that think The Virgin Suicides is her best. I know people that love Marie Antoinette. We have a mutual friend that just adores somewhere. I'm a big fan of The Bling Ring. I think it's it's a really difficult movie, uh, but really impressive, too. So I think there's a lot of directions to go. That's with the her. other thing I really like about her filmography is that while there are definitely 
themes about you know economic status, you know fame that she goes back to, uh, which I mean, mm. last name Coppola. You know, yeah, she's the daughter of one of the greats. She is working with things that presumably she has experienced, but she applies that into very different settings, and honestly, different genres. Like I, I think they're like wildly divergent sort of swings yes. here that she takes. And that's the other thing I wanted to start off with was a filmmaker that's going to go into at times broad comedy to tragedy. And I, I think mm-hmm. she's handled both of those things really well. So I'm, I'm excited. And I think, you know, we don't have, <laughs> I was about to say, we don't have that much to work with. And that sounds really negative, but it's actually a very good thing. That's mm-hmm. like, we, you know, we're only talking about, uh, you know, certainly less than our top 10 list. Can't make a top 10 list yet unless we're getting into her uh, music video work, which uh, we are not. Right, Dave? We like, are definitely have... not going to okay. be doing that. No, All absolutely right. not. Okay, so just the feature films. Yes, and I think one of the things that's going to be really interesting for me is I, I think I think the first movie I ever saw of hers was Lost in Translation. So I went back and watched The Virgin Suicides after and was a little – like a little bit disappointed with it, not in terms of like, oh, this is a bad movie by any stretch, but there's there's definitely a different process if you're watching someone from when they start and seeing them grow as opposed to seeing like something a little bit more polished and then going back. So it'll be interesting to kind of watch this for her from beginning to, I mean, not end because her career is certainly not over, but from the beginning till now, because, you know, I think the only movie I had a really negative reaction to in her filmography was her most recent movie which was The Beguiled. So it'd be interesting to kind of maybe give that another shot too, because it's certainly not a movie that is so terrible that I would never want to watch it again. But the expectations were so high after liking pretty much all of all of her other movies to then go into that and be like, well, I was really hoping that was going to be great. And it didn't, it definitely didn't reach that mark. So interesting to like give it another shot with a, with more realistic expectations maybe. That's, that's interesting because I, I don't think I've ever had extremely high expectations for her particular work. And I think it's because what I said previously, where she sort of zigs and zags to different things. Like, you know, I, <laughs> it might've been somewhere might've been the one that I had the highest expectations for just because the one I, I haven't like, seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and I, I won't comment too, too much on that other than the fact that it was, uh, for that one to be <laughs> the film where it's like, this is going to be the best Coppola work yet. <laughs> may have been a, like, out. Honestly, may have been a little misplaced, even based on like the trailers. Uh, but I just thought coming off of Marie Antoinette that I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like we're, you know, seems like a drunken dude in a hotel. Like we're, you know, <laughs> we're going from like like the big swing at the bat with you know the the lush colors and the costume pieces to a, a drunk who seems pretty sad and alone again. Like it's like <laughs> it was a weird doubling back to like a less romantic Lost in Translation. Mm. Uh, so that that speaks more to me about why I was that was the one I was most <laughs> excited about. That being said, um, I, I I'm gonna say that I'm really excited to revisit that one because I was disappointed with it initially, and since I watched The Virgin Suicides the year it came out and haven't since that one I have mm-hmm. a lot of distance from. I'm really excited about revisiting that one. Probably The Beguiled being a 2017 release, probably the least. Mm-hmm. excited about but i don't know i, you know, I love how we're things... both the most excited to revisit movies that we didn't like that much but like i can't wait to go back to the disappointment <laughs> do you i mean is that a uh is that a podcast mentality or is that like you know are you trying to like fi- are we trying to figure ourselves out like you know, it's like it is a bit of time travel trying to go a back little to that bit. mindset i think for me what it is is i know that i try my best to not let expectations affect how i take in a movie too much but it's impossible to avoid that 
right? Like we have our expectations, especially with her most recent movie, because we have all the, all this other film that we've seen and be like, oh, I, I think I know what to expect from Coppola and I know what I like and I know what I don't like. So it's kind of an opportunity to kind of give it a second chance, right? And not be prisoners of the moment and not just be like, well, this just came out and I have to have a take. Like, no, this came out a couple years ago and I've had some time to think about it. Now I can watch it again, kind of knowing what it is and maybe looking a little deeper at it as opposed to just like, it sucks. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's racist. It's sex, whatever it is, you know, it's just like, okay, let's just take it, you know, on its own terms, you know, where we're not like worried that like someone's waiting for a take and let's like clear it up. No one's waiting for your take. It's fine. if <laughs> You don't give a take on a movie, but sometimes it feels like you have to have a gut reaction to it. And sometimes it's better to give it a little time and let it sit and then go watch it again. I mean, I, I don't want to sell ourselves short. Someone is waiting for this podcast right now. I hope now. so. You, you hope have so. announced it. Uh, we've not yet produced anything that anyone can actually hear. <laughs> so this is about maybe the only time someone is like, anticipating it. And then, you know, like I was with Somewhere, I was disappointed. They're going to be soundly disappointed with this yes. product. But uh, I don't have the expectation that I'm going to like where she is still a working filmmaker. Uh, I don't think I'm going to come in and like have a big – reassessment of her mm -hmm. like i'm already like you know positive like she's one that like when she has a new film announced i'm excited to see it uh so i don't think there's gonna be like sort of a reshaping of this person like it might be with an older filmmaker right. uh that i'm not as uh, knowledgeable about because i mean when virgin suicides came out i was a teenager mm -hmm. so i mean it was you know i've kind of grown with the characters, you know, very much, you know, small town Kentucky, me and Marie Antoinette, same, same shit, same <laughs> shit. <laughs> so speaking of those movies, I wanted to kind of mention, you know, what our schedule is going to be. So if people wanted to watch with us, they could. Um, so uh, our first episode will be on The Virgin Suicides. Our second episode will be Lost in Translation. Our third episode will be Marie Antoinette. Our fourth episode will be a double episode with Somewhere and The Bling Ring. And Such disrespect I know. Somewhere. <laughs> and episode five will be The Beguiled. So if you want to watch along with us and you know rent those movies, I'm sure they're all available on, on Amazon if you wanted, wanted to purchase them or check them out. So we, we would encourage that because this is not a show where we're going to be cagey about spoilers. Like we are trying to take a look at the director in complete at least as much as we can, given it's a working filmmaker. Um, so we're going to be talking about all those. So if you'd like to watch those, then that's that's your schedule. Um, also, Dave, hmm. I don't think either one of us want the pressure of like walking someone through <laughs> like an artist's complete filmography. And they were just like, sight unseen, I'm just going to trust these guys. And then I'll catch up with it later. I, I do not want that. So, you no, know, no, I'm not saying to watch everything, but, you know, I, th I think I think anyone would be relatively pleased to uh to see a majority of Sofia Coppola's work. Yeah, absolutely. I I you know, I mean that's the good thing I think about about this show in general is that most of the most of the directors we're going to look at, this is not something where we're going to like, oh God, now you got to sit through this. Like this is going to be <laughs> rough. Like this is like, these are the greats, right? These are, these are the greats. So these are the movies you should want to see anyway. So we both, I, I'm going to speak for Mike, even if he disagrees, we both hope that you will join us along on that journey and watch these movies and, you know, get involved in the conversation online and, oh, you know, I find us. <laughs> no, it's all going to be at, <laughs> At directed by Pod, it won't be at War Machine Horse, but you should definitely follow Mike. And uh... I'm changing my account now. Something else. <laughs>
Hey, it's Manish Mathur, host of It Pod to Be You. And I wanted to talk about Sofia Coppola uh, because she is a fabulous director. I think she's one of the few filmmakers who really explore a certain kind of femininity. I guess in general, like white privileged femininity, but um, I think she can often uh, skewer that perspective. I think she examines it a lot closer than people give her credit for. So yeah, I'm a big fan of her aesthetic. I think she is so good at these still scenes. Um, she does really well with scenes about like boredom or um, like monotony. And you can really tell that she is careful in how she frames her characters, what goes in her scenes, like in terms of uh, the mise-en-scene, the cinematography, the music, the costume, everything is so cultivated and curated to highlight exactly what she wants to emphasize with her characters. Um, And I really like that about her. You know, for me, I think my favorite Sofia Coppola film is Marie Antoinette, because I think that's kind of, I mean, that's like peak Sofia Coppola. It's all of her favorite themes, and it's this really anachronistic look at French Revolution era. She uses the um, the modern music and sort of the modern performance styles and the modern filmmaking to highlight how Marie Antoinette and her court and the people around her were, weren't that different than we are now, um, which I think is really interesting. You know, she kind of frames that film as a you know teen dramedy, um, and I think that's why the casting of Kirsten Dunst is so smart because Kirsten Dunst brings her um, past performances with like Bring It On and the Spider Man films, and um, of course the Virgin Suicides. She brings that to Marie Antoinette, and it makes the film. I think, even more uh, impactful. So, yeah, um, I love Sofia Coppola. I look forward to all her films. Really glad that you're covering her on this new podcast. So, yeah, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to come on. And, uh, yeah, just you know, throw me a follow at TheManish89. Hey, guys, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. And I'm here to offer up a few thoughts on Sofia Coppola, who I think is a terrific filmmaker. And I think one of my favorite aspects about her is that she puts a lot of care into her characters. You can tell that she's put a lot of thought into how she wants to craft and mold them. And while there's a lot that's interesting with what you see on the surface with her characters, there's something a little extra underneath that offers up some uncertainty. And I love how that plays out in her films that by the end of the film, there's always a little something extra that is revealed that makes the experience of her films all the more satisfying and rich, whether it be dramatically or thematically, it all comes together in a way that is fruitful. And I love it. And I also don't think she gets enough credit with how she uses the camera in her films, the cinematography, the staging, uh, how she moves the camera um, or offers up banter and, and the back and forth dialogue in her films. All of that is really well choreographed within her direction. And I love it. I think she certainly deserves more in terms of her craft as 
um, a director and and on on the technical side of it, not just in terms of the storytelling side of it. And I always look forward to seeing what she has next. Um, my favorite film of hers is probably lost in translation like everyone else's, but The Virgin Suicides is very good as well. I was a big, big fan of The Beguiled in 2017. That actually made my top 20 of that year. I love that film. Um, and she's always doing great work. So I'm very excited to see what she has in the future. She's certainly a director that I quite adore. So you kind of mentioned, you know, I, I, one thing I wanted to bring up is kind of, you know, what we're expecting. And you said you don't really, you're not really expecting a kind of uh, seeing this from new eyes necessarily. I think what I'm expecting is to try and get a gauge of who she is as a director. Cause I feel like I don't, I don't really have a good picture of that because of what you mentioned, because she like, she kind of switches genre a lot. Like she'll do comedy and even the bling ring you could see is like satire. Like it's rough, it's brutal, it's dark, but it is satire. You know, and the Beguiled, she's, you know, she's done a remake, you know, she's done her, you know, romances. So there's, there's a lot there, I think, to look at. So I think the challenge is going to be trying to find some kind of narrative structure to her career, because to her credit, she's not getting pigeonholed. She's not just doing the same thing over and over again. She's kind of doing kind of whatever strikes her passion. And it's like, no, I'm going to do this next. And because she is kind of, you know, Hollywood royalty, in a lot of ways, she has that ability where she can kind of pick and choose you know, as opposed to like, oh, I'm going to start out my career and I got to have a hit and I got to do really well. She was, she's probably had a little bit more comfort and kind of like, I can do what I want, you know? So I think it'll be a challenge to kind of find what that masterpiece is, what that narrative structure is to her career. Well, she was, uh, 28, I believe when, uh, Virgin Suicides came out. Hmm. So, I mean, that's still for a first time filmmaker, that's still young. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I think she she comes across. I mean, I actually have not. I don't think I've ever seen an interview with her. Like, so it's like I don't even think I have any sort of like visual cues or even like you know audio cues as far as how she presents her work or herself. Um, I, we're getting rid of Godfather Three, right? Like, I'm not. Yes, we're not. I think she'd be grateful for that. Yeah, we'll never talk um, about that again. So I'm I, that may be some sense of discovery I have in the, and I don't know if I should. I'll I'll. I'll posit the question to you then like how much of that do you like want to research like the filmmaker themselves or how much of this podcast is just going to be looking at the selected work for the show i mean i think it's important to have both i think it's important to kind of know who they Great. are to that, know the context the answer i wanted sorry buddy <laughs> sorry buddy i will provide the context for you don't worry i will tell you the background i'll create a, another document and we'll i'll give you the cliff was... notes of <laughs> that was my thought process was, uh, you know, you're talking about her having the, uh, the ability to, to just kind of pursue her passion, whatever that may be. I, I think that, um, just through watching her work from Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, Marie Antoinette, uh, all, you know, Bling Ring, I don't know about Miguel, but where that's a remake, um, it, it does seem like, you know, she's just kind of like aging with the characters, like, you mm, know, a little what, bit. The, mm -hmm. the, the particular challenges that she's sort of taking on, like I, I could definitely remember reading some things about Lost in Translation, that there were some autobiographical elements about, uh, you know, relationship that she was in and like where she was at that point in her life as a young woman. Um, Bling Ring, maybe a little bit more adult looking back at the, back at the generation coming up, you know, that, mm -hmm. but she obviously ran in some very famous circles. So I just think she, she wears her sensibilities a little bit more honestly on her sleeve and they seem to, 
come more from personal experience than a lot of filmmakers that we've even mentioned. Like I, I think like you go to a Tarantino or a Paul Thomas Anderson, they're like film geeks, right? Well, right. she was born out of like, you know, a, the, the father of like sort of film geekdom, like of that right. time, period. you know, Francis Ford Coppola and Scorsese. And yet her work seems to be more about her personal life than it does yeah. about movies. And I think for this podcast, I kind of want to start there. Like, I, I don't know if I want to start with like the video store clerks. Like, I think I want to start right. with someone that is bringing their own life to these fictional worlds. Yeah. Okay, great. And I think that is where we are going to start, you know, with our very next episode. And again, but Tarantino's coming. Again, it's <laughs> going to happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so again, if you want to join us the very next episode, we will be watching and talking about uh, The Virgin Suicide. So be sure to rent that and check it out and then join us back here for our first real episode on an actual movie. Just like men I can